This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I'm Haley Stoddart. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing a interesting topic when you sit down and think about it we're going to talk about Yahura and Spock and our new Kelvin films uh, but before we go there Ken you have an announcement to make I do have an announcement thank you Haley yes for the first time um, and maybe Trek FM's first time we'll have a booth at a convention yeah no kidding we're going to be participating in the Northeast Trek convention in Albany New York uh, the weekend of the 26th to the 28th, me and Brandon Shea Mutala will be there. And the network will be giving away two free tickets to our listeners. So please pay attention to our Trek FM Twitter feed. You'll see for more information coming on that. And I can't wait. This is this is really fun. I didn't get to um, any conventions really since the 50th anniversary in Las Vegas. And I've... Um, done a couple of goofy things while we were down in Las Vegas, but never been on a panel, never really did anything along those lines, but I'm hoping to have a good time, hopefully meet a few listeners, and uh, and, and just, just have some fun getting out of this crazy world we're in and diving into Trek a little bit. I, I need to submerge myself, so I'm looking forward to this, Haley. I am so excited when they came out with that. I was like, yes! This is great! I mean, really, this is, this is a huge step forward for the network I think and it's gonna be super awesome I'm so excited and I'm jealous that I am stuck out here in the gamma quadrant and can't go but I will be cheering you on you might hear me through that wormhole maybe <laughs> well thank you and I'm sure that there'll be opportunities in the where are you you're not really the west coast you're not the upper midwest you're kind of it's the west, west of the We're... midwest but east of the west coast yeah we're 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 yeah. we're basically just the it's just west. <laughs> it's just west. Just That's west. just what it is. Okay. We're stuck between between those, you know. We're not Midwest, but mm-hmm. we're not Northwest, so it's just west. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I always think Texas when you just say west, but I get it. I do get it. <laughs> That's south. From you, yes, got it. And from me. Yeah. And from everybody. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but this is going to be great. So listeners, definitely, you know. 
go go support us go support ken and brandon uh cheer them on be in those rooms for us and and yeah it's it's exciting it's exciting so all right all right we're going here people this weird relationship i mean ken what did you think about it when what did i think about when you first saw it in 2009 we get that moment yuhura comes up and kisses spock on the transporter pad with kirk standing there before they beam over to the nada what did you think what did I think? I was shocked and awed a little bit. Didn't see it coming, except for the little hint that she got uh, when she was uh, transferring herself from the Farragut to the Enterprise and kind of willing her way on. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the hints in, I guess, what she said about her linguistic ability. And anyway, I don't want to go too far down that hole, but it was a, it, it really was a direction I didn't expect. I still don't know if it was a good one or a bad one, but it is definitely something that, you know, it evolved like true relationships. But like you, I have a lot of questions about it. Yeah. So we're, we're intrigued. I mean, and that was kind of my feeling too. I was just like, okay, so we're, we're getting Spock and Uhura in a relationship. Why these two, for one? I mean, granted, we do have hints that Yuhura might be attracted to Spock and TOS, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a little yeah. bit there. So I think, Subtle ones. Um, I was reading on Memory Alpha that uh, Ortsy and Kurtzman actually were the ones who kind of made this relationship happen based off of just the little bits from TOS. So it was their idea. We'll let them run with it, I yeah. guess. But... I was kind of surprised too, just because it seemed a little out of the ordinary. But we also don't see Kirk necessarily with a lot of quote-unquote relationships throughout these films. He does in the first one because he's a cadet and he's at the academy. So I'm wondering if they thought, okay, we've got to have some romantic angle in these films. So let's have it be Spock and Uhura. Because at least it has to be someone in the bridge crew, I guess. Otherwise, it's never we'll never see it. So, but it was kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, it, to me, you know, obviously, um, spending a lot of time in the service, I may have mentioned that once or twice. <laughs> um, th- there's a couple of dynamics in play that 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 made it kind of you know I raised my own Spock eyebrow at it. Um, and before I get too deep into that. Let me kind of come back to you with a question because it is interesting. I can't recall in Star Trek, and it may have happened. Remember, I'm old, so I forget things. <laughs> but I can't recall an opposite relation relationship with a Vulcan woman and a human male. Now, I, it's probably out there on you know out of the zillions of hours of episodes there. So the first thing that I just find interesting to me, anyway, and it, it was interesting even watching the TOS shows because Spock was such a, a unique character and I could see the the physical attraction to him and of course he was different unique you know all those things but is there something to um dating having a relationship with somebody who can't have emotion or is supposed to suppress their, their emotions very very strange to me Haley what 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 what's your feeling on that keyword feeling <laughs> Uh, well, as a half Vulcan myself, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll go with, uh, I can see k- 
kind of some positives and some negatives to this. So, I mean, if you're someone who relies heavily on logic, reason, rationality throughout your daily life, even if you're just a straight whole human, nothing half, you're not anything else, I can see that those aspects in somebody else who suppresses their emotions because in a way you're kind of suppressing your own if you're a constant person who's logical rational thinks in things reasonably that that would be attractive in a partner because if potentially you've probably dated other races you've dated other humans and it's just too much so i can see that 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 logic rational side of a Vulcan, even a half Vulcan, would be very attractive to someone who is also that way. And as a person myself who's very logical and rational, I admit it would be attractive because you wouldn't be constantly dealing with someone else's emotions. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that, that sounds you know? interesting. Yeah, no, I follow you. I follow you. I guess here's a couple of things that I struggle with, I guess. The, um, well... If you, if you date a Vulcan, they never lie, mm -hmm. right? So if the outfit makes you look fat, you're done. Okay, that's just one. Because he's, he's going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these, that, and the other things. So there, there's there's that, um, that whole direct commentary that's going to come at with, you know, um, zero sensitivity for how the other person may feel. And I think that's that's a pretty tough thing to get your arms around for anybody, right? Um, just just because you know if if you're going to say something that could be hurtful, even though it needs to be said, you can couch it in a way. Vulcans aren't good at that. Uh, now, in in favor of this, you have um, uh, Sarek who who says in O nine two that you know emotions run deep in our race, and we know that Vulcans have emotions; they just purposely suppress them. And then I guess somehow, some way, drive it out with the colonar. But it is just a, a fascinating, I think, whole type of, of, of you know, because if, if you look at it, Sarek married two human women, right, throughout the whole original series in TNG. Mm -hmm. So he obviously is attracted to human women, and human women were attracted to him. Now you've got um, Spock kind of following in his footsteps in a way, quote unquote. Uh, with with Uhura and she is you know a um, a, a very I mean incredibly intelligent uh, woman and I could see that appeal for intellect I thought the other thing that you said was interesting was that you know you're very logical and rational and I think those are those are great traits to have as a person but if you look at just men and women in, in general uh, women tend to be more intuitive and more emotional more nurturing you know, and men's are, men men tend to be a little bit more um, logical, I would say, or you know, more A to B. Uh, definitely more headlines than than articles, right? Mm -hmm. Women are definitely articles, men are headlines. And so I I look at all of it and I just say, wow, it's uh, it's got to take a lot of work because we all want to have. Uh, I think most people want to be in a relationship where they feel valued honored and loved and i think you can have the first two but if you don't have that third one do you really think it could work you know you bring up some interesting points and i was going to mention you know i agree that you know unfortunately you're not going to get that passion 
whether it's them being passionate about something or being passionate about something that you're passionate about. So we're going to, so I can see that this would not work also because exactly like you said, there's, they're very honest. Uh, some people are totally comfortable with that and some people aren't. So I think, you know, it depends on the person, but it, I don't know. And that's where we go from here because, you know, into darkness, we kind of start seeing some struggles with their relationship. We don't see it on screen. And that's the great thing I think about this. We know that they're in a relationship, but we don't see, we see little moments of it, but we don't see a lot of it. So like, like we were talking about earlier, no one knew they were together until they actually had a moment and you're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and, and so this brings up, you know, something where, hey, okay, okay, that's kind of weird. And how, how would she? Because, I mean, you can't just completely ignore your emotions. We do not, humans, we do not have that uh, right of colonar. <laughs> so I can see that, I don't, yeah, I just, gosh. Well, I see where you're going. And one of the things that's, that's interesting to me is that there's a lot of people that, you know, start off relationships. And, of course, there's phases and stages and places all throughout a relationship. It matures, it grows, and the chemistry is either there or, it's, or it has to really be worked. And people strive to make it so. And I do know a lot of people that say, oh, I can change him or I can change her. And, you know, I'm not getting this need now, but I think I can do that. And nine times out of nine, that usually doesn't work. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Psychology yeah. tells us it doesn't. People don't like change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, they can change, yes. but it is rare. And, and sometimes it's just being a little bit more sensitive and being a little bit more um, charitable and, and thinking of the other person first. So I do get those aspects. But personality, um, certain traits, things like that, they're really, really difficult to change. And I just, you know, other than once every seven years, are you going to get that, that kind of passion mm -hmm. and emotion? And that's, that's where it's very interesting to me because, um, you know, like Spock kissing Uhura on the transporter pad was, was that him doing something for her because she enjoys it even though he's not getting anything of it, so he's putting her first? Or is he truly having emotions? And he, it's, it's such a difficult um thing to 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 try to put in your head and say yeah this could work i i, I get it because it does it, it just raises more questions than answers and i think you made a great point in into darkness we start seeing get in that phase where you know she's not happy with his actions or whatever and his actions to him were completely logical yeah right exactly completely logical yeah so it's ah <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, you have to wonder, you bring up an excellent point, is he doing little things like that just for her, or or does he enjoy doing them because it's with her, and, and you, you know, we don't know, because we just, we don't see a lot of it, we don't see a lot of those little interactions between them, we don't get a whole lot of backstory on this relationship, but I also wonder if she doesn't mind that because they both are career driven as well, yeah. you know? 
So, I mean, you look at some people nowadays where they're in a relationship and they're married or they're dating for a long time and they choose not to have kids because they're both career-driven people and they love each other, but they also love their careers. So it could be something where that could be the case with these two, with Spock and Yahura, that because they're both career-driven, because they are in Starfleet, there's no, you know, there's a lot of turmoil in space. It's, it's the beginning. We don't have a lot of allies and friends out there. And who knows from one day to the next. And, you know, yes, she demands to, we'll get into this, she demands to be on the Enterprise with him. And because she's assigned to the Farragut. And, you know, I, I wonder if he personally did not want her on the Enterprise because of their relationship. He didn't want someone to find out. So we're going to kind of go into this. This relationship between a cadet and a commanding officer. Kind of sketchy, right? <laughs> yeah, this, that's, well, you, 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 you've made an excellent point. So when she was assigned to the Farragut, she was, she was ticked. Mm-hmm goes up to him and he actually says he didn't think it would be appropriate in so many words and didn't want to give the um the impression of favoritism or whatnot but what's interesting to me is it was two things it seemed like she had already been previously assigned to the enterprise he switched it out she was ticked and she got back in so she got back to where she originally was that's that's one two you know it it was just kind of a, a an odd thing to see between a um as you said a commanding officer at least a senior officer he's the executive officer of the ship and and her it it, 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 there is that whole teacher-student relationship thing Mm -hmm. fraternization all of that now we know the rules have somewhat been relaxed in future star trek right they just have you know you you can you can have those those types of relationships um, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say they're wise because it was demonstrated on screen why it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? But as time goes on, I guess you you can be married and everything that could even happen in TOS. You could be married and be on the same ship, so <laughs> that that's okay. And and I guess if, as long as it's their choice. But there there are those those dynamics of you know she's she's a which still bothers me. I don't understand how she could possibly be a lieutenant. Yeah, it would. She should be an ensign like everybody else, or a cadet like Kirk was. Uh, they should all. And same with McCoy. None of them should have pay grades beyond cadet or midshipman when they're in the academy. Now I'm way off base, so I'm just going to change the subject and go back to what we're talking about. Sorry for this. Well, then you get my brain little thinking. bit of a tangent. <laughs> yep, a little bit of a, ta- a tangent here. That's those things happen. Yes. But I, I really, really liked watching where the relationship went. Even in Into Darkness, it added some tension and it added some humor to the movie, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, because you really get to see how much she really does love and care for him. That's why she was as angry as she was. And she's very passionate. That whole scene when they're on um, Mud Ship, you know, I thought was, was pretty funny, you know, and Kirk's trying to stay out of it and then is backing her up all the way. And, um, you know, it, it, by by the end of the movie... She's like, go get him. You know, she's he's he's her hero again. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that was that was kind of a neat thing. So I I like that they the relationship somehow worked as fuzzy as it was to get your arms around. Or did I make that less clear just in speaking that way? No, no, I I totally agree. I think that 
it's very strange. It, you know, it was not a pairing that we would expect. And again, I don't necessarily think that we needed to have a relationship in in it anyway. But I think because of how a lot of films are done now, even just that small one where, you know, you get little snippets that these people are in a relationship and that they're together, that's just a part of films is kind of where my head went with that. So, you know, it was just something, you know, oh, well, there was these hints at it in TOS. Let's just, you know, put them together and just kind of see where it goes and see what the fans think of it and how the fans react to it. And I think it works. I think, you know, their their development over the three films and their relationship and their ups and downs, um, again, as little as we see, it plays out to what a relationship in space for this long of a time by the time we get to beyond you know you would have all of this turmoil ups and downs moments of you know oh my gosh she's pissing me off like when they're Kirk's riding with her in the lift and he's like oh my god are you two fighting what is that even like <laughs> but I mean that was some great lines you know because of her. so um and the whole are your ears burning thing anyway um and so I think it it works, even though it's incredibly kind of weird. Mm -hmm. It is kind of weird. And we, see, here's a couple of things, right? When you when you look at 09 and you see what happened with uh, the Narada and coming through the wormhole and that whole thing, it disrupted Kirk's life mm -hmm. dramatically. It didn't disrupt Spock's, as far as we know. His origin was pretty much on the same track as it was uh, in the original series, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the whole mother-father, you, know, you know, the big difference obviously was Vulcan being destroyed, it obviously yeah. changed everything. So there's, there's a swath of emotion there, heavy, heavy emotion there. Uh, him dealing with that, uh, you know, uh, Sarek admitting that he loved his wife, all those things must have been playing in his head. So I, I think, though, our prime Spock, boy, do I hate that term when I see it's right. It's just the silliest thing. Well, prime Spock or this Spock? Sorry, yeah. folks. Um, prime Spock obviously changed a lot, too. Uh, after the motion picture, and especially after he came back from being dead, which must have had some kind of impact on him as well. Sure. He was a, he was a little bit more, you know, free. He was, he was logical, but a bit more emotional. Mm-hmm. And, and Spock at a much younger age in this series changed. I mean, yeah. there's just no doubt about it. How could you not? And and you see that progress within the three movies, I think, that he's not quite the same Spock who's maturing towards trying to get rid of emotion. In fact, it seems like he's going in the opposite direction and he's struggling with it. And I can see how that relationship could possibly work if he's willing to bend but there's just never been any indication that he's he's really trying it's just all assumption on what we're seeing on the screen yeah yeah and and that's part of what i think is lends itself to you know their ups and downs and why as little as we get it is written well because because of what happens the events in 2009 because of what happens in into darkness and 
and so we come to beyond and suddenly poof they're not together and we don't know what happens because I think they try to keep keep their relationship under wraps I mean they're working together they're on the same ship how much of a disruption would this cause not only to themselves but to everybody else if they were completely open about everything even though apparently everybody knows they're together but we just never see it so they're they're they broke up even though he gave her a radioactive mineral necklace yes to trace her with but <laughs> well like i got i got the impression that by the end they were reconciled again it wasn't stated but you know he goes to rescue her and she rescues him and it shows that they're you know that the the love and attraction is still there right and um it kind of, it kind of pulls it back together so I, my my thought was that at the end of the movie um all is well you know they're they're back together and, they, and they've moved on um could be wrong but it, it really seemed that way to me yeah and that's kind of what i got as well was that you know it's after spock decides that he's not gonna leave he's not gonna go and you know restart his species with the remaining vulcans and he decides to stay with the enterprise that that in a way was saying i'm i'm choosing to stay here with you and and so we'll see kind of what happens i mean they could pick up in the next film they could have that there they might not have it there we don't know um i don't know i don't know i think they're back together but then i don't know for sure because we just don't get 100 percent definitive answer on that afterwards but it is interesting that uh on memory alpha zoe saldana she actually did not want them to break up in beyond Oh, is that right? Yep. <laughs> so, I, oh, that is interesting. Well, I think again, it it just added more to the emotion of that movie. I thought because, you, you know, Spock is just the the most tragic character in the three movies. He really is, mm-hmm. right? He loses, he loses his home world. Um, he, uh, he he's he's devastated by that. Uh, he loses his best friend. You know, they kind of flip the script in the second one, where with Kirk yeah. dying and. You know all that emotion and the rage that comes pouring out and i know that didn't work out too well from the movie perspective but and then you know in the third one he loses spock's you know the the his <laughs> himself <laughs> he loses it you know, yeah you know the the aged or okay i'll say it again the prime spock and they played that beautifully uh, yeah. i mean it was it was very emotional and so you th- this character just you know is suffering so much throughout all of it you really feel for him and you know that relationship was kind of that that anchor you know at least it's like okay he has some joy and then they were even pulling that away in you know for two-thirds of the beyond movie so it it really was i think a good thing to add to it i thought it was a you you are correct it is very much a plot device in a lot of movies today but it was an interesting one because it's doing what it's meant to and that's you know we here's here's two people talking about it on a podcast many years later <laughs> still scratching our heads as to how this all came together thinking yes it, it was clever there's some holes here but they you know they they still made us interested i mean they were a couple that when they were together 
you were you were excited to see what was going to happen next. The lines were good. The relationship felt very felt very authentic to me. Yeah. And and it's it seemed to work despite all the things that that were going on. And you know, and I like how you know, Uhura in in the original series she didn't have a lot to do and in the movie she didn't have a ton. Um, but everybody loves Nichelle Nichols and what she brought to the screen. And and everybody who was you know part of that bridge crew was quote unquote a hero, but at least in these movies we really got to see the character come to life. Right? She was uh, extraordinary, more intelligent than we realized in terms of her abilities and linguistics, um, all of that stuff. Plus she you know she she could go in and kick ass like anyone else. So they they really did um, pull more out of this character. And they just went in a different direction with the Spock character than what we're used to. But the two of them together, I thought it worked. As as crazy as it was with the reaction from the second I saw it till the last movie, there was a part of me that was very sad in you know in Beyond when it looked like their relationship was over. I just was like, no, this is too much fun. Don't don't kill a good thing. And hopefully they won't. Well, and I think by the end of Beyond, you know. Not only has the entire crew grown a lot over what has occurred, you know, they've been together for a long time now, <laughs> and and they've been out in space and exploring deep space together, and, and they've had the experiences of 2009 and Into Darkness and now beyond, and they've grown a lot towards the end of the film, and I think both Spock and Uhura have grown a lot separately, and I think that helps them grow a little bit more together come the end of the film that they've come to realize that you know things aren't always going to be perfect and this is going to bother me and you thinking that sacrificing yourself in a volcano is totally fine when it's not because you're not considering me I mean that whole scene was just great that you know I think he's come to realize oh I need to respect her feelings for me and that she's going to have these strong emotions for me, and it's okay if I occasionally express those myself to her. And and so I think there's just a lot of growth for both of them. And so I'm hoping we'll get still something in the next film of a relationship between them, as weird as it was in the very first one, <laughs> to see these two people together. Just because I think they've they've both grown so much and matured so much in themselves that it's helped them grow stronger together. And like I said, they might not be a quintessential couple. They're a working couple. And they're, you know, on the Enterprise. And their relationship isn't going to be conventional, but it's Star Trek. It's the future. And relationships are not conventional <laughs> at all. No, no. So. I, I think, I think um, one of the things that I was getting from what you were just saying that the the dynamic between the two of them has really grown mm -hmm. and it adds more tension and risk to the mission but at the same time you know the relationship between Kirk and Spock was one of you know sincere brothers I mean they loved each other tremendously in the original series and through the movies and all of that stuff and it picks up in these shows I mean they're, they're kind of you know, by the time Beyond comes, they're they're pretty much there, or they're or they're getting close. But then you have this other dynamic that neither one of them ever had, 
which was a close loving relationship with somebody else in the crew uh, that they, they they might have had it for an episode yeah. <laughs> right or you know some, or, or a tragedy with um with with the guest appearance mm -hmm. but they never had it with a fellow cast member that was long going or you know continued to to flourish and that's really what i think is interesting now is you always had Kirk and Spock willing to die for one another, right? Yeah. He's risked his life for me, uh, you know, 10 times, uh, you know, I, 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 I need to do the same for him or, you know, it, that's just the way they think. Well, guess what? It isn't just either one of them that will be impacted now, even though the other crew would have been impacted to a degree, no doubt. But now it's completely different with this. Very, very different. Spock is in a, in a very interesting situation going forward because of his position as first officer, his relationship with Ahura, and his relationship and his best friends with Captain Kirk. So they definitely did stir the pot with, with all of this. And like I said, that character who has so much on him in these last three movies has more than he's ever had uh, when you combined uh, with the original series in the, in the TOS movies. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and, you know, you have to think about... I mean, gosh, where he was coming in and beyond and wanting to to leave the Enterprise. And, you know, I wonder how much of that was not just driven by the fact that, you know, Vulcan was destroyed and there's so few Vulcans left, but also the fact that they're no longer together. I mean, just as they were together when 2009 started, but none of us knew they were not together when Beyond started, but none of us saw why. And, you know, so you wonder how much of that has driven his choices. And it's very interesting that, you know, he he risks himself to go down there on that mission. I mean, really, how logical would that be? I'm going to go down because, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go save her. She's there, and I'm going to risk, you know, myself by saving her. And it's it's interesting that they've kind of both have done that. They've they've risked themselves to to save the other, <laughs> but then they get mad at each other for doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it was a piece of until you said it, I don't think it quite registered that he wanted to leave um, because of a horror. But it makes the most sense. It really does. Uh, if 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 you're in a relationship, especially something, you know, if by that point it would have been going on four years or more, mm -hmm. and it's ending, um, seeing that person every day is just killer. You know, we really don't know either which which one decided to break it off. It seemed like it was sort of mutual, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say, and and so I agree with you that um, you know a lot of the decision in this was probably. More towards the, I can't, you know, I can't emotionally take that, even though he's not supposed to have emotions. And, um, you know, logically he could probably do it, but she's not the one asking for a transfer. So it is interesting. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. All of it's interesting. But like we said, at the end, they're all happy. Everybody's um, kumbaya and off we go, you know, so that that's a good thing. Well, and, you know, I didn't think about it till we were sitting here discussing that that potentially could be why... Part of, or at least part of why he wanted to go. I mean, really, could you imagine being stuck on a ship in space? I know in the Kelvin films, it's a giant ship. <laughs> but it's still, 
a ship in space and and you're stuck for who knows how long and again I mean even as someone who is logical and rational you know you have a relationship it's and and things get rocky it's going to affect you it's going to affect your work it's going to affect those around you and it's not going to work I mean you're going to struggle and be like I don't want to be stuck on this bridge with this person because I'm stuck on the bridge with this person we're both bridge officers what are we going to do you know work different shifts I don't know I mean (laughs) the potential to to run into each other when things are rocky is is why I can maybe see why you know he would want to go it makes a lot of sense to me now that you you kind of laid it out that way that that would have been the best thing for both of them health-wise um you know giving up a career is one thing but you know you you think about it um yeah the ship is a lot bigger in the kelvin timeline but it's still small (laughs) because it's a small community you know I, i it just is even even the enterprise d as as big as that ship was and i guess they're probably similar in size um now but still it's a small ship i mean it's it's like living in a small town a thousand people is not a lot of people and you're going to run into everybody and everybody knows each other and yeah there's no place to run or hide and i think you pointed out it's okay it's a big ship but it's a small bridge and they're side by side so Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense that that's the direction he was going in and like i said then they throw in spock's death on top of it it's like oh God, this poor guy. I, I really, yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to Zachary Quinto because he took on a character that's very, very difficult to play. But boy, the circumstances that they put this character in is just, oh, it's Shakespearean how tragic it is. Constant. It is It is just a, another constant emotional challenge for a person who's not supposed to have them. Yeah. And it, it's really quite interesting. And I think that plays to the fact that he had this relationship because they keep basically, as they say in 2009, emotionally compromising Spock over and over and over. And it could be that potentially Uhura was this tether for him because she knows how he is. I mean, who knows how much before 2009 they were together because they were together, but you know, she, she could be that tether for him to, you know, kind of drown out all this compromising that he's going through in all three films so one thing they could have done mm-hmm. which would have been fascinating right we talk about uhura and how much she has developed within these movies more so than in the original series and has um linguistic abilities beyond i wonder if she could have figured out and come up with a way to pronounce his first name Ooh. I like that idea. Yeah. Now, I, obviously, we couldn't have heard it. No. Unless they could have come up with something that could have been computer generated so that we could not pronounce it. But it would have been fascinating to me. Yeah. No, that would be really great. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe that's why he was attracted. Maybe she's the only human who could do it. I don't know. I just make this stuff up because I can. <laughs> well, he is the only person who knows her first name. Yeah. Well, her name her name was known before the series, but it was never said. I don't know. It never was. Mm-mm. But her her name was known. It was it was in a lot of the novels. Well, yeah. So even even Sulu's and Paul, you know all of them um, started to all kind of pop up 
um, more in the movies in the in the TV show. Um, I think Pavel was mentioned. Yeah. Hikaru, Hikaru Sulu never was. Um, Montgomery Scott obviously was. Yeah. But yeah, Horace wasn't. So you're right. But anyway, it's it is um, it is interesting. Just a, a little bit of a. Uh, we'll have to see what uh, Doctor Trek or any of our other friends out there would would think about going in that direction. Yeah, and I will say, as much as people like to joke that, oh my gosh, he gave his girlfriend a radioactive mineral. <laughs> the fact that it was his mother's necklace, I think, is actually really sweet. That oh yeah, you know, I mean, he wasn't thinking at the time when he gave it to her. Oh, I'm I'm going to be able to trace her with this. I mean, for crying, out loud. <laughs> that was not oh, yeah. the so, thought of it. You know, it was truly a sentimental thing. His mother meant a lot to him. His mother was human, and Yahura meant a lot to him. And and so it was purely sentimental. It was just an afterthought that you know it's this odd mineral that they used. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. It was. It, it was a, a, a just a great scene in the movie. Just, just perfect Doctor McCoy lines, playing with Spock at a whole different angle. Right. Yep. Exactly. And and it just yeah, I like the whole you know paranoid tracking your girlfriend um, motif. That was that was perfect. It worked out wonderfully. It was God. That was a good movie. Well, she didn't react about it that way. I don't remember her reaction. To no. It. I think it was more of like a like the fact that I think her reaction was kind of more of a relief, if I remember right. It's been a little while since I've watched the film, but that's how it came across to me was that, oh my gosh, you know, you were able to come and find us and locate us before, you know, we all ended up being dead because of Eddie, you know, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, I see where so you're going. I, I, yeah, I don't think that was ever brought up. You right? know, she, it was more of just like a this is amazing i mean as someone you know who is sciences that would be really cool oh yeah yeah Yeah. she didn't care about that no there's no doubt about that it was just i uh i was thinking back i thought you meant when um uh, she was trying to give it back and he was talking about its its significance Mm -hmm. and why she should keep it yeah yeah absolutely agree there and of course it's you know it, it could have been anything that anybody had on their bodies that were unique that could have allowed them to trace anything so exactly yeah i'm sure there was nothing there but i agree i agree so i don't know what what are your what are your final thoughts on this subject i think we've gone all over the place with this well and we kind of had to because they you know you start out thinking wait spock and your her in a relationship why Spock and Uhura? And then come the end, you're like, well, okay, you know, this kind of makes some sense. And it's still kind of weird. And it, you still kind of question, like, why they're together. But I, I think they work well together. Not just because they're on the Enterprise and they're both bridge officers. But I think their relationship works well together. I think they play to each other's strengths as well as negatives just like any other relationship would be. And I'm excited to see what happens in the next one, but I'm still a little perplexed about it. What about you, Ken? The same, pretty much. Uh, shock and awe when it occurred. Uh, like the journey, uh, the emotional journey that they were on, like a real couple. Because I, I love and care about those characters a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, you, you get sucked right in, you get drawn in because they've been a family. Uh, they may be new cast people playing these characters but 
you still want to um, enjoy the ride with them and kind of root for them to to be successful in everything that they do so yeah for me it was um it was a nice twist it was a clever twist they played with it well i thought uh like you i'd like to see where it goes i'm assuming that it'll just continue on and um you know the the toughest thing about the relationship really is that um you know one will not grow old and die uh with the other you know they'll they'll both age, but at a very disproportionate amount of time, or if I should say, um, you know, the impact of aging. Mm-hmm. Vulcans live what 110 years longer or more than um, than humans do. That that to me is one of the sadder things yeah. uh, about those relationships because it, you know it's you think of a lifelong journey in the way we think of a relationship, and I understand like all things they evolve. But I think that would be the toughest thing would be to um, to realize that you might just be relationship number one of three um, over the span of a, of a of a species that lives a lot longer than human. That's all. That's my last thought. Well, way to bring it down. Well, <laughs> well I guess, you know, if they enjoy 60, 70, 80, 90 years together, God bless them, right? Hey, have fun. It's just one of those things. You just go, ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to see where it goes and, and look forward to that. Hopefully some of our listeners will as well. So Spock and Uhura aren't the only things we're talking about on the network. Here are some other items now playing elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks. I agree, though. It's fun to say, hey, I know who these characters are. I've seen them before, and now they're all together. That is cool. But at the same time, mm, how realistic is it that they would all know Worf at some point or another? Well, it's just further evidence of my thesis that Star Trek is the story of Worf. This is what I've always said. Worf is the central character in everybody's lives in Star Trek. (laughs) The 602 Club. And what was, in some ways, I think, poignant for where we are today. You know, the word Nazi gets thrown around a lot. But I think the beauty of who Juliana is is that she sees past even the word Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really important. I, I think that that is the, I mean, we need more messages like that. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Okay, next year, that's my goal. I will be, yeah. I will carry the Haley <laughs> well, mojo. You'll have the head, me. so. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm acting in behalf of Haley. Give me a hug. Yes. <laughs> Just, as, exactly. long as, you don't, as long as you don't tackle them on the way to the staircase, I think it's okay. To the journey! So they don't call it a Navy. They call it the Federation Naval Patrol. But same difference. It's basically a Navy. But what is its reason for being? To me, it sounds like they just renamed the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard is no longer, and now it's just the Federation Naval Patrol. But I'm guessing for like people that go out pleasure sailing and get stuck, the Federation Naval Patrol is there to help. They rescue tourists on Ryza who are drowning? Exactly. They just rescue people. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, 
get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. We haven't had one yet, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also look contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So f- to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on, Babel, on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time, or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about all things Smallville, the young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011. And also, you can find me on the Babel Conference uh, complaining about things that uh, I don't like and praising things that I do like, because that's what we do as fans. So I look forward to talking to you all on there. What about you, Haley? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I am Trekkie01D. I know some people like to call it Trekkie. 10D, but that would be incorrect. I am not on that one. You can also find me on the Babel Conference. I am enjoying uh, chatting with all of the listeners as I am new to this, but it's been fun. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Over.